0: Welcome to episode 5 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And today it's all about Two-Face. So it's episodes 10 and 11, Two-Face. Part, yeah, part 1 and 2. And 2, it's, of course. Because there's a shitload of 2s in this. I'd say this episode, even right from the beginning, it's pretty damn good. It's definitely the best we've watched so far. And it's funny too, because as I was doing research for it, uh, one of the notes I found was that the writers felt like this was the first episode that really gelled, that it all came together, that the tone was set right, all the characters were working right, the visuals were right, and that it kind of set the bar and the tone for everything moving on. Did you kind of get that feeling a little bit like as you're watching it? Um, yeah, a little bit, especially because I watched the next two
1: as well for next week's episode. And, yeah, um, it almost leads in like the next episode kind of follows this perfectly and oh yeah um it's never too late mm-hmm. and and yeah this is like i mean we're gonna we're gonna obviously dive into this pretty deep but so just deep. seeing bat just just so deep uh just seeing batman like this is kind of the first time he failed on a on a global standard and you you see that repercussion it's a second parent murder
0: yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. It is. He does fail, and they and as we'll see as we go through the episode, there's a nice little tie back, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, a tie back to his parents. And um, well, shit, let's just let's just let's, get started. Let's just jump we in. We've it. got a lot to say on this. We do, we absolutely do. Uh so it starts out with a dream sequence. Cameron, yes. what happens in the dream sequence? We we we
1: start off and it's Harvey's dream sequence. This is all about Harvey Dent at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um and kind of in this nice contrast in the shadows you see a figure you know you don't see the face of the figure but you see a figure flipping the coin and harvey who's standing across from him is freaking out we no context and the figure he's saying it's time it's time it's time then he wakes up and it's his assistant like hey the raid's about to start and you find out that harvey uh has been planning this raid for a couple months that's about to bust um thorn what's his first yeah name? Rupert, thorn, rupert thorn yeah
0: who in in the animated series kind of takes on the role usually occupied by carmine Falcone right. or sal Moroni mm-hmm. so they they kind of did um a kind of combination of those two and actually i was i was kind of curious about thorns so like what like what other like was the original character for the show what was his origin so mm-hmm. like i looked him up and i guess his first appearance was in may of 77 he's actually very different in the comics than he is in this in the comics he's just a corrupt politician running for mayor who kind of gets cut up with a a scheme with hugo strange so i thought that was interesting that he wasn't a crime boss in the traditional sense and then when they came around to the animated series needed a crime boss they chose that name and i i couldn't find a reason why i think it's because harvey just doesn't like plant-based names
1: (laughs) so you've got poison ivy and now rupert thorne and he's just got a thing against He just he
0: can't he can't catch a break yeah well he's not going to catch any soon certainly but, yeah, so we, we got, uh, yeah, Rupert Thorne, who's got, like, some ammo or something like that stashed away mm-hmm. in, in a warehouse.
1: Yeah, he's got a, a rocket launcher stored yeah. away. Yeah. Because, you
0: know, it's a kid's cartoon. It's a kid's Rocket cartoon. launchers are everywhere. Yeah. It, in a weird way, do you think rocket launchers are better for cartoons because they seem slightly less violent? Like in real life, obviously, they're horrifically dangerous, Mm -hmm. but they're kind of cartoonish in their own rights. Well, I guess my favorite moment with the rocket launcher, which is weird,
1: a tangent, a weird tangent we have right now, is do you remember the Vin Diesel Triple X movie from
0: 2003? I do. I I have a soft spot for it. I
1: love that movie. And it's the moment where the villain is shooting them from a rifle position and like we can't get a good angle on him. And Vin Diesel comes up. He's like, does this thing have Pete? heat detection heat seeking missiles yeah yeah Uh, he's like well what does he say like drop the military knowledge and pick up a playstation oh yeah fires the rocket launcher it it is a it is a
0: great moment it's a cheesy movie but i really enjoy it actually sequels coming soon i have no interest that looks fucking terrible i'll go i'll go see it for both of us okay you do that for me tell me how it is so we'll we'll have a side tangent on whatever podcast happens at that time right yeah we'll have our triple x minute then but uh, it's that. So when uh, so Harvey heads out to the raid where
1: Gordon is there, Gordon Bullock, and they just called in the SWAT team yeah. to capture the
0: goons that are stuck up in this military compound. And that like that whole scene, that's a great scene. Like, I I feel like there was another episode that was very reminiscent of uh, Batman's raid of the warehouse from year one. Um, uh, wasn't that not man, bat, not Joker? Oh, uh scarecrow never fear i don't remember to be honest let's say it was never fear yeah but great scene in this too where again he he kind of goes in and he sneaks in from behind he's kind of taking them out one by one mm-hmm. uh, whenever i see this sort of stuff now i can't help but think about the arkham games right and it almost makes me appreciate them that much more like they nailed the dynamic so well of like sneaking around and taking people out the way that the character does so well mm-hmm. in this show but it's a fun scene um, yeah,
1: you know, it's the it's the usual it has. It's little campiness where he, you know, just taps the guy on the shoulder and then drags him into the shadows. And
0: again, his flair for the dramatic. Always. Uh, we get a henchman who gets uh, knocked out the window and lands on an awning. Wasn't there two? There's probably oh. a couple of them. Uh, yeah, I just I have in my notes awning.
1: Yeah. Exclamation point. And um, then they just run out because they do. I guess going to prison is easier than dealing with the Batman. It is. Oh, it definitely is.
0: Yeah. So, uh, OK, so they brace up, break up. The raid, or they mm-hmm. break up the the gang, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, God, where do we go from there? Uh Harvey is giving his speech to the press
1: about. That's right. Uh, he's yeah. um, he's reelected for. He's running for the reelection. Right. So he's running for reelection and talking about how he's gonna dethrone the city. Gotta love <laughs> his. I think honestly, I think that's why they chose chose that villain just for just, the just for the just pun. for the pun. You know, what? I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, he's gonna dethrone the city. And as he's giving the speech, one of the goons behind him is, you know, not having Harvey Dent. So he kicks some mud up on his suit and we see the first instance of Big Bad Harv come out. Uh, Harvey completely loses it, kind of cuts his interview while the cameras are still on him, charges towards the goon, throws him against the car, throws him on the ground, and is about to just beat the shit out of him when, uh, not Bullock, uh, Gordon comes and... Stops him. He looks up. He turns back to himself, looks up. Cameras are still on him. He's freaking out. And they just, they just head out after that, right? Yeah, I think he's like, oh, sorry, everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go. But from the next scene, it sounded like people were saying that he was going to use that to his advantage. Like he just got a bunch of
0: oh yeah voters from that. Yeah, we go from there to Thorne in his in his house. Mm-hmm. And one of his goons makes comment like, oh, you know, Dent's so crazy and, you know. Ugh, the use of the the cliche phrase crazy like a fox but thorne's point is that he's so harvey is like so driven and like so mad to like prevent crime that he's just going to get more voters um what happens next? i'm i can barely read my own notes <laughs> we're both super tired right now this doesn't <laughs> this doesn't help but yeah so oh the on the news broadcast is saying that he's got a new nickname of hot-headed harv so we're we're starting to see a little bit of the dual personality, yeah, the darker side come through, and I think from there we go to uh, a campaign party, right, at Wayne Manor. Well, well, at at um Thorne's place, they're trying to figure out how to blackmail oh, right. him. Yeah, because they they don't want to just kill him; they need him. Well, in- yeah, because if they kill him, then it's obvious that they it's, did it. Him, yes, they need him on Thorne's payroll to make things everything easier. Right. So uh, we're at the campaign party hosted he, by the Waynes, hosted by Bruce, who's a good friend of Harvey's. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harvey's running for reelection. He gives some speech we see that he's got a fiance we're not sure when they're they're uh going to get married but it's coming up soon sometime
1: yeah so seeing this moment i like to think that no time has really passed between this and poison ivy in my mind poison ivy didn't actually like drug him at all he's just that he just wants to commit that much that yeah. after a week of knowing these people he's like i'm ready to marry them yeah he's a girlfriend guy he's a fiance guy that's oh yeah he's a fiance guy yeah,
0: that's yeah that's worse how many rings do you think he's bought? Oh, so many. Which I mean, I'm, Gotham DA can't be making that much money. So is he just is Bruce buying him a shitload of engagement rings? Is that how that works? or it's it's probably jewelry that the police
1: confiscates? And oh, he's then just he, like, just, he just swoops yeah, it from I'm the evidence locker. God, what a dick! It's not just
0: Batman, guys. It's not just yeah, Batman's not the only dick in it's Gotham all of City. Gotham. So what I did think was cool is that there are a lot of subtle little things they do to kind of help set the tone for the episode. One of my favorite things is when we first cut to the party, there's a giant ice sculpture of the, you know, the blind, blind justice. justice, Yeah. And it's it looks like it's sweating. Like Mm -hmm. that was a small little moment. That was really great. Uh, And then it's followed up with a super on the nose moment when Harvey snaps because he learns that the warrant won't hold up basically mm-hmm. that it wasn't complete. as a warrant falls through. So the bus is a waste. He charged that his assistant knocks him into the table and the ice sculpture falls and breaks like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, our metaphors are getting less subtle, but it's still another moment where he like rages out and our second appearance, of big bad Harve. Yeah, exactly. And this time it's in front of, you know, a whole bunch of supporters. It's in front of his fiance. It's also in front of Bruce who then follows him into the house and is super worried about him.
1: Well, it's also Harvey tries to attack Bruce.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Until,
1: uh, girlfriend's grace. name grace thank yeah. you grace steps in and he calms himself you learn that he's been seeing a therapist for the past couple months
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that bruce is just wants to help in any way he can if you look back through this series bruce has no friends he really doesn't uh, if we no. if we look at, the, at all the people that he has been close to in his life almost all of them are either dead or villains like you have his parents seem to be dead. pretty good friends with them you got harvey dent kind Villain. of flipped. Oh, my gosh, you're going to hate me for this. Who was Phantasm?
0: Oh, on, uh, Andrea Beaumont. Yeah. Villain. Villain. Slash, from his perspective, maybe also dead. So pretty much the only people who has close are like Alfred um, Dick,
1: Dick, who's off then, at college and is like, at least at this point, never around. And then who we'll meet later. And him and Zatanna are pretty close most of the time. That's
0: true. He finally finds friends when he joins the Justice League. Yeah, they're all super powered. It's like he's got his super friends around. Oh, I wonder... Where- if they use that name at all yeah if not they really should it's a pretty good name you know what we, we we've seen oh damn it i was gonna i was gonna make a jab at zach snyder and i've tried to dedicate myself to hold back on those week I'm, two of no snyder slash yeah so i'm, I'm gonna <clears throat> i'm gonna hold back i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say what i was gonna say and uh that was pointless um <laughs> uh so so we jumped to
1: his um oh he's with his yeah yeah right and his therapist hypnotizes him to
0: bring out the dark Harvey. Yeah, Big Bad Harve pulls out the coins since they're all like scowly mm-hmm. and slush back in a deep gravelly voice. Yeah.
1: And that scene, like you said, is riddled with metaphors. Yeah. You have um the stormy night
0: going. Which Lightning is... flashes for a moment we see the two-faced side yeah, of his for, face. Yeah. I wrote down a lot about this. I did too. I'm just not actually bothering to read my notes. Big Bad Harve
1: manifests under hypnosis. Oh, uh, it's a very bruce banner hulk kind of mentality where big bad harv doesn't want regular dent to be in control i'm just going to refer to them as refer to them as harv and dent that's that works perfectly
0: fine yeah um, if if dent can control his anger harv will go away and so harv can't have that yeah and he like freaks out and like attacks the doctor and throws a lamp through the window and creates this big chaotic scene mm -hmm. and then the doctor snaps her fingers he comes out of it and he's... Well, if you even just go into the like in, into the composition of those
1: scenes, it's mm-hmm. a very black and white scene set. Yeah. I mean, it's not white, but it's right. very highly contrasted. And the moment... It, I mean, that's kind of the metaphor of Harvey at that point. It's an equal balance of good and evil right now. Yeah. And then when uh, Harv comes out and be like, I am going to be in control, he throws the chair through the window And for a moment, the scene just goes black and all of the light is kind of escaped through the room. Mm -hmm. And that is the moment, I think, when he's like,
0: Big Bad Harv has more control than Dent does now. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah, no, I I think you're absolutely right. And so, yeah, it's 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 escalating like he's he's losing control Mm -hmm. um, and Thorn's. Assistant, Candice, like, yeah. yeah, her his right hand woman, mm-hmm. uh, listening through what is apparently not a soundproof door at the therapist's office. It's not important to yeah. have soundproof doors, <laughs> no. So she hears all of this, and so now she like knows what his weakness is. Yeah, she found the button, and so now we're at an election party, and it's a little unclear. When I watched this through the first time, it made it seem like it was election night. And that the results were coming back and it was in a landslide. What it seems like on a second viewing is that he's not actually elected yet, but maybe that the polls are showing a landslide. Okay. I'm not not quite sure because, I mean, right after this, Thorne tries to blackmail Harvey. And my thought was, well, if he's already won, does that matter as much? But maybe he hasn't actually won the election. Having the district attorney is probably a pretty good person to have in your pocket. Well, I meant more like... If Harvey had won the election in a landslide, I feel like that would lessen the, the power. stakes. Yeah. yeah, it would lessen the control. So I guess he, maybe he's not quite there yet. I guess there, there's still room for him to lose his campaign, I assume. Okay. I don't know.
1: Well, at the party, he's very confident in himself. He told his Grace. girlfriend, Grace, that yes. that he's going to propose. because mm-hmm. Again, well. Every time we see him, he's got to propose to someone true. new. Yeah. And he gets a phone call from Thorne saying that they need to talk. Thorne knows about Big Bad Harve at this point. And so Dent leaves his party, Bruce tries to stop him, Bruce tries to help, because again, it's his only friend. And when he realizes Bruce can't do anything about it, he puts on the cowl and he decides Batman has to intervene now. Mm-hmm. So they go over to Thorne's hideout and they have that which is the, it? Yeah, some sort of chemical warehouse. Because everything's in a chemical warehouse. Every, yeah. If we learn anything about the the way Gotham is set up, it's either an armory or a chemical warehouse. It's kind of all they have going for them. Well, it is important. Or, or like a what is it? A carnival?
0: Oh, that's true. Like yeah, there's a, there's a, a abandoned carnivals. Mm-hmm. Lots of warehouses. Lots of chemical plants. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, everything has to be flammable, right? As we've yeah. seen, at some point, all locations have to go up in flames. So, there's only so many options you got for that. So we're at uh, we're at another chemical plant. Well, actually, you know what? This makes sense too, because probably every other chemical plant is closed. I got to open up a new one. Crime swoops in, and takes it over. A supervillain emerges. Yeah, thriving chemical business in Gotham. Yeah, so they're they're there. Thorn shows Dent the file. I'm mm-hmm. gonna blackmail you. Uh, we learn
1: about this version of why Dent is suppressing his anger, which is a little different from the comics. But I think we're gonna go into that. Yeah, we'll go later. into that at the end. But yeah, want to talk about what what his
0: kind of background is in this one It's kind of interesting.
1: Basically, as a child, he had small anger problems. And he was he would beat up kids in his school, and then mm-hmm. one day he beats up this one kid and he learns that he goes to the hospital. And Dent blames himself and because of that he started to suppress his anger and kind of all of his aggression. We have also learned
0: that the kid had an appendicitis. It was right. pure coincidence, but the the damage was done for Harvey and he's he's afraid of his anger, so he just buries it really deep. And that kind of inner turmoil turned into
1: Big Bad Harve. And so that created the dual personality and right as thorn thought that he'd won this we have that same super contrasted shot where you kind of only see half his face and harv looks at thorn he's like yeah you make a good point but you have one problem you're not you're talking to the wrong harvey oh Um, shit you know you have our dr jekyll mr hyde moment and for some reason big bad harv is like has super strength we're not going to go into that i guess yeah but.
0: super strength cat like reflexes, very athletic he has a a really graceful high leap off the desk to pounce on top of thorn so he olympic career just ruined yeah look what happens when you when you channel your anger into things guys that's true well also let's be honest even if he were like some sort of olympic athlete anyone who lives in gotham city who has any sort of skill set is gonna become either a villain or a hero mm-hmm. we know where he was going he was a little too old to be robin so he had to be a villain that's true well i <laughs> Unless he's in the movie universe, then he's perfectly the right age for it. Any age is a good age for Robin. <laughs> yeah. you either, you're either Robin or Alfred. Those are your two choices. It's, it's not weird when you adopt, like, a 25-year-old kid to come live at your house. No, no, no. It's fine. He yeah. likes motorcycles. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, so
1: Harvey is or Big Bad Harve has emerged. He's fighting off all the goons. Batman is there, and he jumps in to intervene uh, helping Harvey kind of fight the goons. Thorn runs into the chemical area. Harvey follows uh in a very in a very similar setup to all of Batman's villains. I guess just Joker. Who else is in a chemical explosion? Uh, a couple of them. Um, yeah, uh, uh more, I'm yeah. assuming. Harvey uh, is running after a goon follows with a Tommy gun and Batman. Oh, a point that I was going to make. I forgot about this point. Mm. Um while Bruce is fire, out while Batman is fighting with Harvey if you listen he uh, uh Kevin Conroy is using his Bruce voice.
0: Oh, I had the same note. So mm-hmm. back at the uh back at Wayne Manor, right? Wait, no. No, no in in this fight scene when he's with Harvey oh. trying to stop Thorn. Okay. He he dips into
1: his oh. Bruce voice.
0: Okay, right. Cuz so I, I had noticed that Back at Wayne Manor, when Bruce is talking to Harvey and trying to calm him down, like, hey, are you okay? He's using, like, that third voice. He's mm-hmm. not using the the overly inflected Bruce Wayne voice, nor is he all gravelly Batman. He's got that, like, his real voice, the one he talks to Alfred with. But you're right, yeah. Here he's, like, being a little bit softer because it's his friend. He's trying to calm him down. And also um, the voice actor, whose name I just forgot. I oh, who does?
1: Uh, who does Harvey. I didn't write it down, so. Um, uh, Richard Mole. Okay. Uh, he also, in a very similar setup to Conroy, he also has kind of the two voices. Right. And you Harvey can and hear. Yeah. yeah. So jumping back, Harvey is chasing down Thorne. Tommy Gunn pulls up behind him. Uh, Batman kind of knocks him down. And while he's knocking him down, he gets a couple shots off. Hits the very conveniently placed electrical box. Right next to the open chemical pit. Sparks fly out. Hit the chemicals. Explosion. Building does not go down
0: in flames, though. That's true, actually. This is a surprisingly non-flammable chemical plant. We found one. Combustible. Yes. Not flammable. Um, Are those the same thing? Different things? I should know that,
1: and I don't. So Harvey gets hit in the explosion. Mm -hmm. Bruce freaks out. Yeah, Thorne gets away. Uh, Bruce freaks out, takes Harvey, and next we see into the hospital. Yeah. With very bad doctors,
0: by the way. I think all the doctors in Gotham are pretty shitty.
1: Yeah, because Bruce is hoarding
0: all of the technology. So it's not their fault. Right. It's his fault. But yeah, the doctor is basically saying like, oh, physical damage, can we repair a surgery? And Bruce worry about the mental scars. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in a, a scene that's very much a direct homage to Tim Burton's first movie, when mm-hmm. they're unwrapping Harvey's face, he's like demanding a mirror. And he looks at himself, and before we actually see him, we see the reactions of the doctor and the nurse, and they're all they're all horrified.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then he... Freaks out, runs out into the hallway, and because it's Gotham, the sky is raining, it's lightning. And Grace is out there and sees him. She freaks out, faints. Also, I don't know if this was another deliberate homage, but that scene is also very similar to the 89 movie when the Joker's girlfriend shows up for the first time and sees him. Like mm-hmm. She's dressed the same, she's carrying a lot of the same stuff, collapses. And then... Harvey sees a reaction. We see that his left side of his face is all blue and matted. Now, I got a question for you. So, he's in an explosion. We can assume the chemical is what dyes his face. What the hell dyes his hair and makes it grow longer? That's a question for the Joker. Right? Yeah, because it doesn't doesn't make any sense. Like, you would think, okay, if you get, your hair would burn, it would be gone. Like we see in Dark Knight. Yeah, like, that makes a lot more sense. But, yeah, in this, it's just, it gets dyed. The fuck? I think... All these
1: chemical plants are, like, cosmetic companies. Oh, they probably are. And it's, I mean, it's like this, it's like, you know, the plot of the 2000, what is it, 2002 Batwoman movie? Or not Batwoman, Catwoman movie? I have actually never seen that. Congratulations. Yeah. You I, saved
0: yourself two hours of life. I really don't think I need to see it. You're you're good. Okay, thank you. To give
1: you the short run, it's, uh, the villain has, like, a cosmetic, a cosmetics chain oh jesus they kind of she almost has like enough plastic surgery she has so much plastic surgery that she can't feel anything in her body and that gives her like super strength like renard from the world's not enough like she's like numb so no nothing affects her it's not numb it's just like she's super her skin is super hard and god well we'll save that for another another podcast
0: yeah Catwoman. and you know you know what's really sad though hmm That was, what, 2003 when that movie came out? Yeah, something around there. Yeah, they still haven't figured it out. But... It's only been 13 years. It's only been 13 years, and they still haven't figured it out. That much growth. So that, that, I mean, that basically wraps up the first half. And it's like, I remember, like, as I watched this, not actually a lot happens. A lot of it's more set up for the next episode, which, let's just jump into the next episode. Yeah, we'll we'll
1: save all our notes for the end.
0: Yeah, because it's all basically just one long episode. The... Next episode starts out with the same level of subtlety we've come to expect, and we see door number 222 is the first shot. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, also, we should preface this because I didn't know about this. It's six months in the future now.
0: Right, yeah. I, I had a note about that, too. Mike. I was a little bit confused, and then they, they get into it. Um, yeah, because I have note, 222, subtlety. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so yeah, so we see Two-Face in the back of a car. We, we can't really see his face quite so much. But we see he's got his you know, trademark two-tone suit. So in this iteration, it's a black and white contrasting suit. Cool-looking suit. Should get one. And then, you, so we see, okay, he already has his suit. He's already got twin goons. So it starts out a little bit confusing. Like, where do these guys come from? How do right. you get stuff set up? And that's when it's explained in a few minutes that it's six months in the future. So they, they're robbing a bookie establishment for Thorne. Mm-hmm. And as they pull up, Harvey pulls out the coin and flips it and it lands Scar side up, so he decides they're going to go in. I have a note about the coin. I think we'll save it to the end, though. We're talking about his character in general. Okay. Yeah, so they they go in and rob the place. One of the goons goes to steal a ring off of one of the patrons, one of the customers, and Two-Face stops him and says, wait, hang on, we have to let the coin decide. And he flips it. I think it comes up good, right? So he Yeah, says, good leave. side, so he can't take he it. He's going to leave it, yeah. So mm-hmm. we're, we're establishing that... He has a code of sorts that mm-hmm. all decisions have to be made by the coin, and the coin decides whether it's a good action or a bad action.
1: Which is kind of the trademark style of Two Face that, that that you see through most of his it is. iterations. And so I
0: guess the the note I had, which I thought that's very much a, a traditional Two Face thing. Right? Mm-hmm. He always has this this duality, or the, like that. The coin makes decisions for him. What I thought was interesting is we spend so much time setting up his character, and we go into explaining kind of the split personality and why that manifests itself after he gets his face burned. At no point do they establish why he lets the coin make decisions for him. Right. And I I for some reason I was inspired to watch Batman Forever after watching this. I made it through like, I don't know, the first 15 minutes. But it's so good. I you know I actually have a soft spot for it, but rewatch again, I'm like, oh man, there's a there's a lot It's my favorite of the nineties. Well you're mistaken. But (laughs) it's it's better than Batman and Robin. Exactly. And it's actually it's not it's it's kind of a good, bad movie, but there's actually a lot of good pieces that I like. We can have a whole episode about why we actually think Batman Forever is pretty good. But in that, when we meet Two-Face, he's already established as Two-Face. So right. when they establish the rule of the coin, that's just establishing a rule for the character. In this, we're given his background, but we don't establish that rule. So it does feel like it comes out of nowhere here. Well, I guess the only
1: time we see it is we see it in the dream sequence. Yeah. And that's kind of just the icon of Big Bad Harve,
0: yeah, the coin. It, that's just, it's a visual cue that that's... He's in that personality, but right. at no point do we establish his code around the coin. So it does come off as not being motivated by anything And there. He has a little bit of an explanation at the end of the episode, but it, I think because we're so used to, especially the Dark Knight, where it is very well established where the coin comes from, and there's a whole scene that explains Two-Face's specific moral code. This time around, there's not one, so that was interesting. But we do establish that that's his thing. He right. The coin makes a decision.
1: That's how he makes every decision.
0: Every decision, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so after he robs the place, we're back at Thorne's hideout, and we've learned that Harvey's been attacking him for six months, and of course he stole like, like four hundred thousand dollars or something. No, like two two thousand dollars. That has to be more than that. I think it was only two thousand. I have two K listed here. I think he's stolen two million overall. No, because that's the bounty. Oh yeah, the, yeah. He only stole like two thousand bucks from the bookie. And a, a crate of silver dollars, which will come mm-hmm. into play later. Very important silver dollars. Very important, the silver dollars. They're collectible. They are, you know? He's, he's got a collector's side to him. Yeah. Yeah. It's his third
1: personality. <laughs> if the coin lands on its side. The collector? Like, <laughs> yeah.
0: I got to hold on what, to these things. What would happen if the coin landed on its side? Probably just go crazy. Would he just, like, shit himself? Yeah, maybe. I want to see that now. I want to see what happens to him.
1: So we see Thorn, and he's... Um... Puts the $2 million bounty on Two-Face's head, trying to get the other criminals of the underworld to chase after him. And then it jumps to another dream sequence Mm -hmm. that is very reminiscent of the first one. And so when I was watching it, I thought it was Harvey's dream sequence. I think it's deliberate, yeah, because it it does set itself
0: up like it's going to be Harvey's dream sequence.
1: And you find out it's Bruce, and you see Harvey running. Batman is chasing after him, trying to help. He stops... On a rope bridge. And as he reaches out for Batman's hand, he falls through the bridge. When Batman looks over the edge, he sees not Harvey, but his parents tying it right back in there.
0: He yeah. Failed Harvey, failed his parents.
1: That yeah. And even, even uh, Thomas Wayne says, Why couldn't you save yeah, why, us? Why can, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Why didn't you save us? Yeah. The, his guilt is compounded. Uh,
0: and oh, yeah. but
1: also, fun little fact I don't know if you saw this. In that scene, usually Kevin Conroy does the voice of Thomas. But for this one, they had Richard Dole. Harvey
0: did the voice of uh, oh, Thomas Wayne. Oh. Yeah. Little, oh, cool. Yeah. Final little connections. Yeah. And and after Batman wakes up in the cave, we see that his desk is littered with books on psychology and schizophrenia and multiple personalities. And we see that although he can't find Harvey, you know, he's not stopping the hunt. He's trying to you have know, talked about this a lot. He's trying to cure Harvey. Right. And especially because he's a friend. I mean, we've seen before that he really is trying to cure his villains. In this case, he really wants to because he's also his friend. But again, it's not that he's just trying to catch him, but he's trying to help him. Right. More than anything else. And then um, from there, we go off and we see Grace. She's still mourning. She's still upset. She doesn't know where Harvey is. Mm-hmm. She's really frustrated. And then Candace, Thorne's assistant, second in command, whatever, uh, shows up disguised as a cop. And tells Grace, if Harvey shows up, we just want to help him, push this button and we'll come get him. We have a track, yeah, it's a tracker. Yeah. We'll, we'll come, come find him. you if you yeah when you when you run into him because he will come and find you again. And so then Candace leaves and her henchman, it's like, Oh, how do you know he's gonna come back? And she says, Well, they always come back. Very conveniently he happens to be coming back right at that moment, pulls up outside, looks all sad. Well, I thought no, he he's driving by a bridal store. No, that's later on. Is it? Okay. No, I, exactly, I made a specific note that it's like that super convenient time is oh, they always come back around oh, the corner yeah, okay. window rolls down and he's right back there. So he
1: uh we jump back to um two face and he's at his hideout, mm-hmm. the what is it, the something deuces something oh too related. Everything is too related. Wild Deuces yeah. Club. And the goons are asking, like, Oh, do you want to go see God? I'm never gonna remember her name. Grace, Grace. Yeah. I don't know why I keep wanted to call her Sarah grace sarah why i don't know what? um he wants to go see grace the goons are like oh you should go see her we can go pick her up if you want we can bring her here he flips the coin it lands on the scarred side he's like no we have other important things yeah. to do we're gonna
0: we're gonna finish thorn off uh, a side note in that scene harvey's splitting up the money mm-hmm. he takes him and He puts some of the cash in his wallet and he has a two-faced credit card he has a credit card With Two-Face as the name on it. Oh, that's awesome. Which means that as Two-Face, he applied for a credit card at a bank. And got it. And got it. You know what? We tease the banks of Gotham. There are so many criminals that that is probably an occupation you can fill out on your application. Mm -hmm. Just criminal. I mean, it's probably the same as like
1: like entrepreneur. That's true. That's probably what he put.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just not as bad as the bat credit card, but I hope there's just one bank.
1: That's like the criminal bank. Well, it's a mob bank. Yeah. You make uh, a
0: good business giving out credit cards to
1: wasn't that like criminals. Wasn't that a plot in one of the Batman movies? Because they were trying to go after one of the mob banks and
0: Well in the Dark Knight, no, yeah, they're, they're okay. yeah, they're going. But that's played real. I don't think the uh the banks of Gotham and Christopher Nolan's world were taking credit card applications from supervillains. Using their supervillain name. Using the supervillain name. Yeah. What if he has a photo on there too? Just like half smiling. I hope he does. Two tone credit card. So
1: yeah, he's splitting up the money. He's yelling at his goons uh, because you know they just want their money,
0: yeah. As goons do, as he would. And we jump back. Oh, and oh. they're they oh. oh oh I was uh the goons are asking him what he's gonna do with thorn because at this point I guess they've they've hit all of his spots, all of it, all the places they can, all of his businesses, his fronts, all the ones that deal with twos. Yes, Gemini. Yeah, it was the uh, yeah Club Twenty Two, the Gemini something. And I the, think it was a casino. I think Jim and I Casino. Sino, yeah, and like Two's company. So what I love is that in the span of six months, Harvey has taken out all of Thorne's two-based spots. All mm-hmm. of the, yeah, any like front he has that has twos in it. How did Bruce not know where to go to find him if that's the only places he's hitting? He, you know, he's still
1: looking at the best in Harvey. He still doesn't see Two-Face. He still sees Harvey. He's just still in denial.
0: What I do love, though, is the goons ask him, what are you going to do with Thorne now that we're done hitting him? And Two-Face says, let's just say, I'm going to do exactly to him what he did to me. Now, that phrase doesn't make any sense. Because usually if you say, let's just say that I'm going to, that means you're going to follow that with some sort of euphemism. But he says, no, I'm going to do exactly to him what he did to me. Doesn't make any goddamn sense. I was really bothered by that. Well, yeah, it doesn't make sense. But I think what he was going for was... Well, I know what he was going for, but, like, no one says that. It's like, oh, what do you do? Well, let's just say I'm going to murder him. Like you know wink wink nudge nudge yeah that's no subtlety there that's exactly what he's gonna do
1: well it's like his two sides talking like the (laughs) dent side is like well you know what we're gonna do with him and then the two-faced side's like we're just gonna kill him just having a conversation with himself right god damn it Uh, from there we jump to
0: thorn's attorney's office right oh we go we have a a brief thing in the bat cave okay where we learn all the places that uh harvey's hit right all the places we just named yeah and batman decides that two face is now going to go after a thorn so then he leaves he jumps on the bat bike first appearance of the Bat bike and he, he's got the cool bat helmet he's got i, know, I didn't make a you note know about that too uh bat bike exclamation point helmet that's always point. important always gotta have that helmet on and it also gave us confirmation from the forgotten that that is batman's extra car garage that he drives through Okay. Because he drives through that garage to get out. Because so that's very important. We keep track of these little details. It is these little questions about when we when we the do geography a, of the Batcave. A perfect
1: rendering of Wayne Manor. I
0: like how you say we. It's going to be
1: you when I make the perfect that. rendering, top to bottom, of Wayne Manor and the, the Batcave. The only one of us here who has any
0: sort of artistic talents. It's it's all going to be you, there, buddy. And you can do like SketchUp. Uh, uh, not no. Okay. Not really. I'll, I'll let you do it. Uh, so we jumped to
1: the attorney, uh, Thorne's attorney's office in a similar scene. Did you see what his attorney's name
0: is? Mm-mm. Is it something with twos? Double day. Of course. Yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, You'd think Thorne would have fired anyone in his payroll who had a two related to him, would have pulled out of any business that had a two in it. He, he should sh- have just jumped to threes. He should have. Yeah. He would have been totally safe. Hey, let's change everything to odd numbers. And then Two face wouldn't know what to do. No, he would
1: <laughs> be so completely lost. Then I hope the Riddler comes in. And that's like his thing. Three, Three face things. shows up. And yeah. Oh, fuck. So they're going through the attorney's files. They find all the dirt they need to kind of put Thorn away forever. Money laundering, all that shit. Bat- uh, Batman shows up, breaks one of the goons wrists pretty yeah, much. He does, doesn't he? You know, just casually, just like one, two, pop, pop. He's eh. dead. Uh, the that other works. goon is gone. I don't remember where he went, but he's not there.
0: Maybe he knocked him out.
1: Uh, no, because he comes back. I don't know. Oh, so one of the goons is gone. Batman has a heart-to-heart with Two-Face. He's like, go to Grace. Yeah. I remembered it. Ah. Go see Grace. Almost, still... almost gets him,
0: too. Almost gets him Yeah,
1: stop. Uh, You see kind of him turning back to normal, and I think the voice kind of drops a little bit. I
0: think it does, yeah.
1: And then when the second goon comes back in, he's like, ah, it's Batman. That's when Two-Face is like, oh, right. I'm evil now. Yeah. I need to stay evil. Sucker Punch is Batman. So I was watching this in in poor
0: lighting. Did he get shot? no so he what causes him to have his because i just saw him get kicked it suggested from this point on that he has a broken rib when he goes into the final fight so but i'm not sure when that happened because two-faced sucker punches him Mm -hmm. they run out and then batman kind of dazed like dazed chases out after them and then gets shoved and gets incapacitated by a mop bucket a cleaning cart I think we can officially say that is the lamest thing that's incapacitated Batman now. Mm-hmm. Worse than by cat, by cleaning cart, and uh, then he he passes
1: out. From what I remember, he like he grabs onto Harvey and Harvey kicks him maybe in the kicks him. Yeah, he kicks him in the stomach.
0: Oh, Okay, so maybe that's when he damages rib. I'm but not sure. I feel
1: like he's had a lot worse than a kick to the stomach. And when he falls,
0: he didn't get amnesia, so that's good. That's good. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, he does. Just pass out in a hallway and get woken up by the janitor. Has a little buddy-buddy moment with the janitor and then leaves. Harvey, it's just dust here. I think, I think the janitor wanted something more romantic. Ooh.
1: We jump to Thorne's office, right?
0: No. Oh, so when Harvey's leaving, Batman grabs his coat and tears away the pocket. and We see that Harvey is stashed away at the Wild Dudes Deuce Casino. Yeah. Again, why the fuck didn't Batman go there in the first place? You don't know how many things in Gotham have twos in the name. He's the world's greatest detective. He had six months to investigate everything with a two in it.
1: That's a lot of stuff to go through in Gotham. I call bullshit. We've, we've already named three, just owned <laughs> by one mob boss. Who knows what the Penguin owns or what Falcone owns if he's in this universe? Or what was his name? Stormwell? St- oh, str-, str. not Stromwell. Isn't it Stromwell? That's from, is it Stromwell? Is it? Well, whatever. We'll, we'll get to oh, it. But I'm thinking, anyways. I'm thinking Cromwell is this the Halloween Town family. Oh,
0: okay. Oh. Fine. Happy October, everybody. Um, <sighs> but yeah, so Two-Face hiding out the most obvious place possible. Uh, and then... Oh, yeah, he calls for Grace. Oh, that's right. He calls Grace. And she, she agrees to meet him, and she pushes the button. Yeah, activates the tracker, meets him at the club, and he's... Which is the setup with the, like, split down the middle. One side is, like, nice and clean, and the other side is... Mm-hmm. Like, all dark and dreary and broken up. Right. Yeah. And he's Sounds doing silly. his best um, Phantom of the Opera impression. Yeah. It's, he's got like the like, uh, the weird drape over his face. I don't quite get it. But we have a very intimate
1: moment between the two of them. Very intimate. Where she, like, Harvey, I still love you. I know you're still in there. And he gives his very... I like his speech about how kind of
0: the coin now dictates everything. Yeah. We finally get his philosophy on the coin that Mm -hmm. you know everything is based around chance i just kind of felt like we needed something earlier to explain why the coin was being used yeah we can get at the end and for me it doesn't quite work but so right as he's kind
1: of falling back into harvey's voice he's kind of giving up the two-faced persona thorn comes in and ruins everything as he always does as he does just an asshole so thorn kind of puts the blame on grace and that's when you see him snap. You see Two Face snap. And he's kind of stuck in between these two worlds. I mean, he's always kind of in these worlds, but now there's like, I don't know, I feel like that was kind of the last straw for him because that was mm. his last connection to Harvey.
0: Yeah. So he goes full Two Face. I think what? Batman shows up. Everyone's fighting. Mm. Thorne gets trapped under a chandelier and Harvey grabs a Tommy gun. A Tommy gun. He's very that important. Thorn. Because there are so many Tommy guns in this episode, in the universe in general, everyone loves their Tommy guns. Those drum mags, man, they're fantastic. And so he's going to shoot. He's deciding whether he's going to shoot Thor or not. Mm-hmm. And he pulls out his coin, flips it, and just so perfectly, the box of silver dollars right next to Batman. Who would have guessed they came back? Grabs a fistful, throws them at Harvey, who then freaks out and can't figure out. Isn't that, wasn't that coin? the same ending of... It is the same ending as Batman Forever. That's what I thought. Yeah, well, because Except Tommy Lee Jones falls to his death. Yeah, quite a bit different in that regards. Um, yeah, there are a few things that made it from the cartoon into Forever, which is kind of fun. We've talked a lot about uh, seeing moments from the Tim Burton movies influence the show, and now we get to see where the show started to influence subsequent adaptations. Right. But yeah, it is the exact same ending, but way less deadly.
1: Uh, so as he's searching for the coin... Grace kind of falls on her knees and has kind of one last moment with Harvey as he's lost himself completely. We see him carried away by the police and Batman and Gordon have a nice little interaction of like, do you think he'll ever be the same? And he's like, love will find a way, as, as Batman says. Yeah, where there's love, there's hope, mm-hmm. is what he says. And then Which I think is funny because Batman has no love or hope. Right. Yeah. He's kind of against all of those things. Yeah, a little bit. Then he flips the coin into the fountain, uh, and it lands with the heads, the good side up.
0: Same thing happened to Batman Forever, too. But, I mean, that. so that covers the Two-Face episodes. Important episodes, because Two-Face is one of the seminal Batman villains. One of the biggest ones. I'd say maybe second behind... No, I'd say, like, if you look at the most famous villains obviously the Joker Joker is number one I'd say Catwoman's probably number two Mm -hmm. like people who just know of Catwoman I'd say Two-Face Riddler kind of fall in that same sort of category yeah yeah. I mean pretty much anyone who's kind of been in the movie that made a huge thing so uh, I did do a little bit of research on the history of Two-Face because I think there's kind of some interesting stuff here so first appearance in Detective Comics number 66 in August 1942 so he goes way back he's yeah one of the first yeah way back to beginning Um, I mean he was one of the villains created by bob kane and bill finger way Mm -hmm. back in the day based off of jekyll and hyde unsurprisingly specifically the 1931 film version of it and originally his name was actually harvey kent yep okay you saw saw that and then they changed it to a dent to avoid confusion superman um and he kind of disappeared from the comics for a long time because i think he wasn't as kid friendly or as gimmicky well if you i don't know if you saw this in your research when he was when he would steal stuff
1: the coin back at that point was used to represent how the like what he would use the money for
0: oh if it landed on
1: if it landed heads he would donate everything they stole oh if it landed tails he would keep it
0: that's really interesting yeah i'm kind of bummed that disappears Mm because that
1: i feel like i don't know when i think i'm assuming that was probably closer to the 60s because that's very like comic cody that is yeah
0: but that i like that idea though because it shows that he's not purely evil Mm -hmm. It, it, it further highlights the contrast in him now um, oh, it's too bad that kind of disappeared. It would have been interesting to see it come back. I think he wasn't utilized for a lot kind of up until like 71 I think Dennis O'Neill brought him back and then it was after Frank Miller's year one when his background was changed mm-hmm. a little bit to the that he was kind of more a tragic hero at that point so that's when it started introducing the idea of him having like an alcoholic abusive father and the struggle with the bipolar disorder and paranoia Right. this was the
1: time when everyone was getting the very sad backstory
0: yeah everyone was getting much more sympathetic backstories and you know and in year one he's an ally to both Batman and Gordon and Gordon at one point even thinks that he might be Batman except for he doesn't have the, the financial resources and then I say say the like quintessential the best two-face arc out there is part of the long halloween which i also think is the best batman comic ever i i've read that more times than i can possibly count i love that story so much and we, we were kind of deciding beforehand we're not going to go into spoiler details on it in case people haven't read the comic you absolutely should if you like batman or not, you've never read the long halloween It's the best one to read. I don't know. And this is the season to do it, everyone. This is the, yeah, this is the season to do it. Um, It's like a very noir murder mystery. It's something that they still have never really done in a movie adaptation yet. I mean, a lot of elements of that comic made it into The Dark Knight, especially. But in that one, Harvey doesn't have schizophrenia. He doesn't have multiple personalities. And I actually think that makes him more interesting. Mm -hmm. I know his original origin incorporates that. But I I felt like as I was watching these episodes, too, it simplifies his background a little bit. I think it makes him less interesting because it's not that he's driven mad by circumstance, but he's already kind of crazy. Whereas I think it's much more interesting when he is trying, like he's legitimately trying to do the right thing, like he is in The Long Halloween, like he is in The Dark Knight. And he has a little bit of a dark side to him, but it's circumstance mm-hmm. that pushes him over the edge, that pushes him to the point where he has to go outside the law or his perceptive perception of law and order changes as a result of the influence of the other criminals and Batman on him that's kind of the version I'm more used to I think I like it better actually
1: well I mean I feel like you bring up I don't think this relates to the long Halloween but you bring up a good point of he needs to go outside of the law because obviously that's Batman's whole thing he's yeah. doing what the law won't or can't and kind of jumping back to the dream sequence we talked about earlier I think it's very important to think about because when Batman was like feeling pressure and feeling anxiety. He just put, you know, he just put the the cowl back on. Mm, And that was kind of his way of suppressing, not suppressing, but pushing out the anger and pushing out the aggression. It's his outlet. And it's interesting to think in this story, if Harvey didn't bottle that up for so long or if he did have that outlet, he very could have been very much could have been a Batman figure. And then you brought up the coin a lot. Did you did you go into kind of where the coin originated? I did kind of cursory research. Okay. Well, from what I remember researching, you you talked about his dad. His mm-hmm. dad was uh, an abusive drunk, and before he would beat him, he would flip a coin to decide if he was gonna, you know, if he was gonna hit Harvey or not. That's uh, super fucked up. Right. And what's more fucked up is Harvey. Uh, like years later, this is when the dual personality kind of kicked in. Uh, at least in, in this, I think this was an early 90s comic where they they went into this side of the father story. Uh, he wakes up in a cold sweat after remembering one of these memories, and he realizes that his dad was using a trick coin, so he was always going to beat him. And that's oh. where the idea of using the trick coin always came from, that you see in The Dark Knight.
0: Oh, that's super yeah.
1: dark. I, when he says, I leave it up to chance. Yeah. And then, you know, there's no such thing as chance, and he shows...
0: I, you know, that, that does sound kind of familiar because I read the novelization of the dark Knight mm-hmm. after it came out and there was, some of that was, was discussed when they were talking about Harvey's background. It's not there in the movie, but there are a lot of great two-faced stories out there. I mean, again, go read the long Halloween dark victory too. Have you read dark victory, which is the sequel? I've not. It's, it's actually really good. So it's the, I mean, the first one's based off of a murder mystery. Um, gangsters are dying in long Halloween in Dark Victory, it's after Two-Face's transformation. Not really a spoiler there. We know that's going to happen. Um, and now there's someone else that's hunting and killing cops. So it's, it's kind of got the same structure to it. Uh, it also introduces Dick Grayson, and it actually perfectly explains why a colorful character like Robin works with Batman. It's probably one of the few times I've seen it done really well. But that's another great Two-Face story. He has an appearance in The Dark Knight Returns. Have you ever read No Man's Land from the 90s? I, I think I own it. I don't think I've read it yet. It's worth reading. It's long. I mean, it was, it was a big event. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I somewhere I have, like, the collected volumes, like four or five, like the big, thick back volumes. But it's a really interesting dynamic. I mean, the quick summary of it. So Gotham's hit by a huge earthquake. The city's abandoned, but some people stay behind. And some of the criminals that do stay behind, conquer territories. And elements of it were incorporated into The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, yet another example of Nolan taking some interesting Batman stuff and oversimplifying it for his third movie. But... That one's worth reading Two face a big role in that hush is also really good. Yeah, because everyone I remember moments of hush where people thought that it was Harvey. Yeah, he's he's a character and they do a really great job with him. And then I I kind of stopped reading comics actively kind of after that. By the time we were getting towards the new 52, I I haven't read a lot of that stuff. So I'm not sure what's been happening with him recently. Mm -hmm. I'd say at this point, most famously played by Aaron Eckhart in The Dark Knight. Absolutely. Did you know that he was close to being in the 60s show? They almost did Two Face in the '60s TV show.
1: Oh, I guess and they didn't. This would have been amazing. He wasn't?
0: Would have been amazing. Uh, it was going to be played by Clint Eastwood. Yes, in the '60s, perfect. He fucking can casting. still play it today. He can still play it today, and he'd be fantastic. Um, but the the difference was, instead of being a lawyer, he was a news anchor who's disfigured by exploding television. Makes sense. Makes sense for that show. Uh, but it was deemed not kid friendly enough. And then I guess since then they've adapted that storyline into the '60s set comic. I just haven't read it yet. Also played by Billy D. Williams in Tim Burton's movie. I'm still disappointed we never got to see Billy Dee play mm. Two Face. He was Harvey, but not Two Face.
1: Mm. Oh, got it. Okay, sorry. Too uh, many, too many three three named names. Too
0: many. Too, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones, Tommy Lee Jones, Billy Dee Williams. So I, I mean, we should probably wrap up pretty soon here on Two Face. But one thing I wanted to talk to you about a little bit is pretty much across the board, we always we've come to the agreement that the animated series is the best version of pretty much all these characters. The best mm-hmm. version of Batman. Best version of the Joker. I actually don't think this is the best version of Two-Face. Tommy Lee Jones? Of course it's Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, I mean, his scene chewing is just incomparable. But I act, I actually think the best version of Two-Face is The Dark Knight. Interesting,
1: because you're you're a Dark Knight, not hater, but you're not a,
0: I'm very criti- you're not a supporter I'm, of Dark I'm Knight. I'm very critical of, I'm extremely critical of Dark Knight Rises, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of issues I have with The Dark Knight. I think one thing they do really well is Harvey's storyline in that, just because they set him up really well as like sympathetic and charming. You can see parallels between him and Bruce, but he's the lighter side of things. Right. Um it's also very closely adapted from The Long Halloween. So the one issue I have with The Dark Knight is that it took the Harvey storyline which is critical to The Long Halloween but took away the noir trappings, the noir setting which I still really want to see done in a movie. So now it's you can't really do a strict adaptation of it because it's kind of been done. But I think that's the best version. I think as a character he makes the most sense that that moment between him the Joker after his has face burned and Rachel's died where the Joker explains to him that chaos is the only real like reigning forces in the world that you can't have order, it's only chaos, and that actually changes Harvey's mentality and inspires him to become Two-Face. It all works. Like, as I was watching this, that's what I was thinking of. For me, this only kind of works so well. It's a little too simple, whereas I think the Dark Knight does a great job with it. I don't know. What I mean, what do you think about that? What do you think this is the best version of Two-Face? Uh, well, I
1: mean, I, I definitely agree with all the points that you're talking about where uh, there are holes in this where they kind of, I mean, they don't explain the coin, they don't explain. They kind of go through the trauma, but beating a kid up isn't a lot of trauma. <laughs> um, yeah, they they give an explanation, but I don't. Yeah, and I feel like in The Dark Knight, not only having your fiance die, but listening to her explode, yeah, is kind of like that'll that'll shake up anyone. And I think that gives a much more kind of reinforcement onto why he became Two Face. It, it's like you you see the moment
0: that he becomes. 2 Face, and i think that's more interesting in the dark knight yeah i think for me here it just the schizophrenia thing feels like a cheat i think it's much more interesting when he he starts out sane he starts out completely rational and is driven there i mean i guess that's one thing that i do like about the dark knight is that it's kind of the, the whole thing with the joker right it's sometimes one bad day all it takes is one bad day Well bad day yeah i mean i, I actually had never really thought about it until prepping for this episode but you know, that element of the killing joke really is present in The Dark Knight. That mm-hmm. It's basically one really shitty day for Harvey in terms of into Two-Face. Hey, but you know what? I haven't been watching Gotham, so I don't know if uh, that version of Harvey I don't, Dent I don't is, know is if the best. You know, I, I, oh, right. He, yeah, because he's played by um, that guy from Fired Up. I love that guy. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce the last name, but like Nicholas D'Agosto? I don't know. D'Agosto? He's awesome. He's actually, I think, great casting for a young Harvey Dent. I just mm-hmm. refuse to watch that show because it is fucking garbage. I can only see him from Fired Up because that was kind of the only movie I watched in high school. By the way, for our listeners, if you've never seen Fired Up, quick tangent here. It is a cheerleader comedy about two football players who go to cheer camp to try to pick up girls. It is so much better than that premise it's worth mentioning it is actually straight up incredibly funny
1: yeah i became a cheerleader the weekend that movie came out and no i hadn't seen shit. the movie yet uh but everyone was blaming that movie for me making the transition to to cheerleading yeah, i you know i would have considered it too it, yeah
0: if i could have done it their bromance is just legendary in that movie it's really fucking good guys go check it out but uh getting
1: back what to a lot topic. of media plugs this episode got we had a lot plug? of comic books we had that plug i feel like i plugged a movie earlier I don't even know. I don't know. I'll, I'll find we've, out when I go back and review it and edit it. We've talked a lot about a lot of stuff today. Yeah, it's we've been good. Covered a, a lot of topics. Uh, mostly, mostly Two Face, but
0: i've mostly Two Face. Any anything else you want to talk about in regards to Two Face? No, I feel like we we hit all the all the points. Well, so that'll do it for this week's episode. Yeah. Uh, next week will be just two normal episodes. Uh, I was. I oh, it's never it too late. Yeah, and I've got a Batman in my basement. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm excited for both of those. Got a those lot actually. to talk about for that one. A lot to talk about. So, yeah, I think that'll about do it. Uh, Cameron, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at Cameron Dexter on everything. Yeah, and I'm at Lordifer for the podcast. We're at Tim talk Pod on Twitter and Gmail and Facebook and Instagram. Go find us on Instagram. We need more followers. And yeah, we're fine. Yeah, if we, find if, us. The, if we get more followers, I can make Cameron do more cool art. No, it's... Uh... I'll do more stuff. Yeah, that will be great. Um, thank you once again to Olga Satnik for being our audio engineer. We're recording down at the podcast booth at the Nerdist School. So go check out nerdistschool.com and that'll do it. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks.